Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason Hunt, Timothy Harvey. This is the H2O Podcast. Welcome to this special edition of the H2O Podcast, Saturday. My name is Jason Hunt. I am Timothy Harvey. And uh, what a week it has been. <laughs> I'm just... Oh, my. So, okay. We had all these, uh, all these things that had to happen that ended up happening different times than what they were supposed to happen. Right. Be- because the week just got out of hand. So uh, so here we are on a special Saturday edition. Because Monday night we went and saw the movie. Right. And we were going to be talking about it on Tuesday night. And then, oh, by the way, there's this screening for The Blackening on Tuesday. So Tim went and went and saw The Blackening. Mm-hmm. And is working on a review now. And then all, all the rest of the week has just kind of been you know chaos and mayhem. And here we are now. Finally able to talk about the Flash, which is in theaters now, <clears throat> right? And initial box office has it uh, moving a little slow. I guess you could I'm say. Not, I'm not super surprised. I mean, it's we can we'll get into this more, but in many ways, this is you know it's wrapping up. The Snyderverse, and a lot of people have moved on from that. Yeah, I, and I think the other the other part of it is is <coughs> we've got not just the not just the people moving on from Snyderverse, but people sitting there deciding to sit this one out because of all of the Ezra Miller stuff. Right, right, right. I mean, there's there's a there's a whole lot of things, and I think there's also just. Mm, I, I don't really think we're in superhero fatigue yet. We keep talking about how the bubble yeah. refuses to burst. Um, and I, I'm kind of wondering if the bubble's just not going to just slowly deflate versus burst. Um, <laughs> because I think that there's definitely a, a, an acknowledgement that audiences enjoy these kind of movies, but I think that maybe we're not going to... I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see what the future holds. But the... You know the idea that some of these films are are you know still looking at coming out decades you know almost a decade out we're looking at some of these right you know things in production and I think that we're still going to get them but I don't know these big you know a very aggressive release schedules that that like Marvel has had right um, I think we'll we'll start to see the stuff thin out but um, there's just it's it's the end it's uh, there's a new a whole new universe coming i mean there's a whole, there's there's the end of the snyderverse there's miller there's all these things that are like all at the same time right and, and it's really just you know it, i i think ultimately you know this is going to be 
spoiler alert, folks, uh, not like a big spoiler alert, but um, if you are interested in seeing the film, then go see the film. If you'll, you, you may enjoy it. You may not. If you're not interested, don't go. I mean, it's. (laughs) Well, I think, I think the other thing factoring into this is you have two, maybe three different audiences here. You have the professional critics. Sure. The the people, you know, who get paid to go and review things and they'll go watch it and they go write it up. And we're kind of in that that category, sort of. We don't get paid to do what we do, but, you know, we're media. Mm -hmm. And... That includes both just regular everyday media plus the the trades, which essentially are the PR firms that handle, you know, let's let's make nice and try to put a good positive spin on these things. So you've got that group, which isn't doing Indiana Jones any favors, but you have uh, that crowd. <clears throat> then you have those of us who are online everywhere all the time paying attention to things that have been going on uh, both behind the scenes and externally with the Miller stuff with the Henry Cavill stuff and, and the Warner brothers earnings calls and what's going on with David Zaslav, all, all of those, all of the internal inside baseball stuff that some Mm -hmm. of us have been paying attention to. And then you have the, the, the normal everyday average citizen who has absolutely no idea of any of this stuff that's going on. Right. Or they just don't, or they don't care enough that they're, they follow it. I mean, they might find it interesting, you know, and they might come across a story from time to time, but it's not like the focus that so often we end up having on this sort of thing. Right. Just isn't there for them. And that's, and honestly, um, that's a, that sounds like a lovely way to live sometimes. (laughs) Just, yeah. you know, going into a film blind, aside from yeah. watching the trailers, there, there's almost a purity to that. Well, and <laughs> and the trailers are kind of, I don't want to say misleading, but the trailers with their emphasis on Michael Keaton, they're a clear indicator that we know we have a problem, we're having to make the best of it. And, you know, with the with the Miller thing and we're not going to get too much into the the Ezra Miller thing, because if we're doing a a review of the movie, we're going to focus primarily on the movie, the quality of the movie, the quality of the craft, the performances and all of the other stuff, because there's plenty to say about that without even having to drag in the whole controversy, kerfuffle stuff going on outside the movie. Right, because um, the movie is Although, as, as much of a mess in, as it needs to be, just uh, just for that. So, although although to to touch briefly on the Miller situation, um, from what we have heard officially, yes, you know, work is being done, um, therapy is being had. Um, this is great. This is a this is a fantastic thing. Okay, I'm a big believer in therapy. I'm a big believer in getting the help you need to be a better person, Agreed. to right Agreed. the wrongs you have done, yep. 
And so I wish Miller nothing but the best in that regard. And I hope that that is the case because when people have what is was a very, very public and very unpleasant uh, in a number of ways, uh, situation like that, yeah. getting help is a good thing. Well, and so and, again, and it's, which... it's, it's compounded by the fact that you have more than one incident that made right. makes the headlines, and so oh, yeah. now you have this history and you have this track record, and all of a sudden, this this becomes a a bigger thing that distracts from, you know, whatever the goal is of making money with the movie. You're hamstrung right. essentially by. You know, Ezra Miller essentially becomes an albatross at this point. And yes, I agree with you. You know, uh, whatever help needs to be done and therapy and, and hopefully comes out the, the other side of this thing in, in better, uh, better circumstances, great. But I do, I do think that it's going to involve some, some jail time. And I think that, well, um, I, I would maybe, say that it probably maybe. should yeah. based, on, based on what we know so far. Um, but also I will... There is a long history of people who are rich or famous mm-hmm. or, you know, not probation is a thing. Yeah. And, you know, so, I mean, I'm not I'm, and I'm not going to say yes or no, should or should not. But I'm I hope Miller gets the help that is necessary to be a better person yep. because it, honestly, one of the best parts of the film is Miller's performance. Yeah, and and it surprises me uh, that we can say that because yeah, Ezra Miller's not in this thing not once, not twice, but thrice. And we'll get into that here a little bit in the back end because we're going to take a break right. at the half hour. We'll get into spoilers after that. Um, but yeah, you're right. Ezra puts in a really solid performance as you know, in, in the, in the two primary berries that he plays, it's, you know, cause there's the age difference. There's the, and it's funny because when, when B- older Barry reacts to younger Barry, oh, that's what everybody's talking about. You know, everybody that's, I, I, I get it now. It reminded me of conversations that I've had with my son mm. when he he gets to an age <clears throat> that now he's giving advice to people or he's seeing other people's behavior and he's looking. He actually actually had a, uh, an incident at work where he's, you know, he's been asked for advice by a coworker. He said, and he looked at him and he says, you were in the room and you weren't even there. You know, he says, I keep hearing your voice now and all of these different things because, you know, things that we say over and over and over and over again as parents start to sink in. And when you start, when you get to an age that you're growing up a little bit, the brain is starting to develop almost, almost fully, you start to realize, you know, maybe, maybe mom and dad aren't complete idiots. And I, and I saw some of that with older, very, Older Barry looking at younger Barry mm-hmm. and seeing, you know, seeing himself and, oh, that's what everybody is seeing. I get it now. It, so. It's interesting because for the flaws this film has, and, and it does have flaws, we'll, we'll get to those. Um, the strength of this movie actually is in the character interaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think overall, 
um, whether it's Barry interacting with Barry or the Barrys interacting with with pick a Bruce Wayne um, or, or or Supergirl or any the, those moments where these characters are actually engaging with each other. Yeah, they're well written and they're very well performed. And I think that there's <laughs> I leaned over to Jason in the theater and went. This film is very tonally inconsistent. Oh, yeah. And he laughed <laughs> because I said it so deadpan um, and, uh, because it's a very inconsistent film. But what's interesting is that all these character interactions, to me anyway, are really strong. And I think that those scenes, the scenes where characters take out all, take out the action scenes. Mm. And this is a drama. And it's a time travel drama. Uh, and and there's also one of the issues with this film is that it's way overstuffed. Um, yeah. But it is a... You get the strength of Miller's performances, and then you get these, with the exception of one particular moment, um, just, you know, Michael Keaton uh, returning to the role of Batman and I think really selling it. And you get a new Supergirl who is not the Supergirl from, you know, the comics, not the, it's an alternate universe Supergirl who is different enough, but recognizable enough that I actually really liked their interactions because of the, this is a character coming with a different perspective uh, from the Supergirl that we know. And one of the things that, the pros and cons of, of Zack Snyder's view of DC superheroes um, is that sometimes that different perspective that he brought into these different characters worked and sometimes it didn't, right? Yeah. And this is an example, I think, of, of it working here. So it, these characters, the drama part, the interaction part, I think was really strong in this film that said <laughs> yeah see the the thing the the biggest issue that i have with supergirl in this mm. particular film is that it's the wrong supergirl <clears throat> and and when i say that you know, sasha kaje does a f fine job she does you know she does the performance and she's she's playing the character but when she sits there and says my name is kara zarel i'm like no it's not because haircut, costume, everything that's in this character as we see her is Lana Lane Kent. And I will I will die on this hill. This is Lana Lane Kent, well, who is who is an imaginary character from an alternate universe. This is a comic book based on the Injustice video game. And she's actually not even a real character. Apparently, this is one of these visions that Superman has of a possible future type of thing. This is Superman's daughter. And the costume is almost an exact match outside of the red boots. You know, the haircut and all this other... And everybody was speculating that, that Sasha was going to be playing Lana Lane Kent. Mm -hmm. And then she says, my name is Kara Zarell, And everybody went, Wait, what? No, because Kara Zarell's Supergirl is completely different. That's Helen Slater's Supergirl. Blonde, skirt. G 
Archie's cousin. And but when, it's all but it's first of all, it's okay. It's set in the Snyderverse. And can we can we discuss all the ways that the Snyderverse departs from canon? Can I know. we discuss all the ways I that and, and, and we're also dealing with alternate timelines and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and we I mean, and we've never gotten a, a good rendition of Barry Allen in any of the the live action stuff. And 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 I will say that going all the way back to John Wesley Ship. Well, um at, you know, I think I think we've had some good ones, entertaining ones, accurate ones. Yeah, not is, accurate. I mean vi- visual visual comics accurate. And and of course folks, we talked about this before. When you're adapting from one medium to another, changes get made. It yeah. just happens. The biggest um, the biggest sometimes problem they are Biggest problem I have with the with the live action versions of of the Flash Barry Allen is that he's mostly Wally West. You know yeah. the whole I've got to eat to keep my fuel up. That's Wally. That's not Barry. Right. right. And now we have autistic Barry. I mean Ezra Miller's Barry is clearly on the spectrum, which uh, maybe that's Bart more than anybody else. You know, impulse. But I'm like, why? Why are you portraying Barry Allen like this? Why don't Why don't we ever get the real Barry Allen, please? To some degree, I suspect is because there's a certain amount of Barry Allen, the character from the comic, is a little too ordinary a guy. But isn't that kind of the point? I mean, he's well, always, he's I mean, always yeah, running late. The, he's kind of dull. He's kind of boring. And then you have the Flash. But the, I think that that's something that plays out better on the page. I mean, you could do it in a TV series, and and they, and they have not done it that way. But you could. I mean, they've they've kind of done it a little bit with with the CW show. Yeah. But not a whole lot. Um, but I, Wally and 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 Wally West, of course, became very very popular with fans. Um, when he was when he became the Flash, Barry Allen was dead after Crisis. Spoiler alert for Crisis on Infinite Earths. Uh, Barry <laughs> Allen dies at the end. Um, but then Wally was the Flash. He wasn't Kid Flash anymore. Right. He's and and in the comics now, both of them are the Flash. And also, you've got Jay Garrick running around uh, because he's back and it has been back, and he's also the Flash. So yeah. there's a whole bunch of the Flashes, and that's fine. Um. And Wally's got his own series, and Barry has his own series. I think I don't, I don't know. Wally's got his own series. I think Barry had a mini series. I don't think Barry has. His, I think I Wally. I think Wally is also part of Titans again, isn't he? Right. As so yeah, the and, the, and, and, and that's how they brought cur- him back after Rebirth. After current and currently, uh, the Justice League is disbanded, and Titans are stepping in as the the. They're still the Titans, yeah. but um, they're basically taking the place of the Justice League in the comics. So, um, anyway, um, I think that uh, I think of all of these films, especially especially the Snyder films, they're just an they're an alternate timeline over here, and I can enjoy it be, because the thing is, is that you know. It's still it's still lurking in a draft on our on the website, but you and I started working on a back and forth review of Man of Steel all those years ago, oh, a decade yeah. ago now. Yeah, a long time ago. Um, and <laughs> a decade ago now, um, and it's still lurking on there. And and it's it's interesting because 
I was trying to find good in a film that wasn't what I wanted to see. Mm-hmm. And and I think there's I think there's some we've talked about this before with the Snyderverse. There's some interesting parts, there's some good casting, there's been some great action sequences. Um I think Zack Snyder fundamentally doesn't understand DC superheroes. Right. I agree. Um and and there are plenty of people who disagree with me, and that's fine. Um, I I just don't think he does. And that's fine, too, because if you look at the history of superhero films, there's been a whole lot of directors who have not, and writers who have not understood yeah. various superheroes. Yep. Um, and I think that for the, f- one of the strengths of this film is that in the context of this world um, that Snyder created, for the first time in what is, you know, pretty much, I mean, there's, we're getting an Aquaman movie, but the Aquaman's kind of been adjacent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in this last Snyderverse film, really, we finally actually get characters who are talking to each other. And there's a whole lot of that missing Yeah. in the other Snyderverse movies. There are conversations that are had in this film. And I was just like, cool. I kind of want... Uh, we talked about From Dust Till Dawn afterwards um, in, a, in a conversation about, about horror films to watch. And I talked about how Dust Till Dawn is, is uh, uh, Quentin Tarantino, or Robert Rodriguez, Quentin Tarantino, Quentin Tarantino. It's two films. There's At a halfway point, it stops being a crime drama and turns into a vampire movie. Right. And I've always wanted to see the second half of the crime drama and the first half of the vampire movie. <laughs> right. um, and this film is actually a lot like that. Because it is a comedy, it is a drama, yeah. and it's a superhero movie. Yeah. And it bounces from tone to tone. I mean, if there's a four-hour cut that, that Machete says there is, um, I suspect it's a smoother ride between these two, well, these tones. When, but when we were talking about that, after the movie was over, and you mentioned, you mentioned the whole thing about the tone. Um. My my thing was this is this is a more expensive Green Lantern, and when I said that, you kind of you kind of disagreed to a point. I think it's better. I think it's better than Green Lantern. It's, it's but... better. It's better executed, but that doesn't necessarily mean this is a better film. Well, because I mean, I, I... they're both trying to be more than one movie inside one movie, and that's a yeah, problem I... because it affects structure. It affects tone. Yes. All, you know, all the character interactions because it, it, it you're suffering from whiplash. Is this a comedy? Or is it a drama? Is it a comedy? Or is it a drama? Is it a comedy? I mean, you get this really dark, heavy stuff, and then there's a joke, and and the jokes. For me, none of the jokes, none of the humor landed. I was bored in this movie mm-hmm. more than anything else. So I wasn't bored. I, I mean, there's. I do I do this thing uh which is <clears throat> an interesting challenge sometimes because I try and watch a movie in two ways when I'm watching it as as both someone who's looking at it from a critical eye you know mm-hmm. might have to you know explain what I like and don't like about the film and then I also try and watch it as just as somebody in a movie enjoying myself hopefully and this is one of those films where as a 
viewer, I was more entertained than not. This is a general viewer. Um, while recognizing that I can't get away from the fact that this thing or that thing is just going to bother me. Right. Um, so my, my, my two experiences there is just a viewer and as a critic are very different because as a critic, um, wildly tonally inconsistent, the effects are bad unfinished i, I i'm, I'm going to be charitable and call them unfinished half baked um although, they feel although, that way. although machete said it's supposed to look like that we intended for it to look like that it was well, like and, no the and, whole movie looks like a video game cutscene. it's, it's well, and, this and, stuff is terrible and and honestly okay i'd say i will giving him 100 percent the benefit of the doubt and that's the intent uh-huh. okay we've talked about this before too what a filmmaker intends to do what a storyteller intends versus what an audience perceives don't always align right and honestly they are almost always not going to align because your experience as a viewer is different than the viewer's experience of a cre- as a creator you hope the audience is going to see the thing you want them to see or the or the story you want them to read or or listen to or whatever that's your hope but you can't control what the audience is going to want to experience yeah and so while it okay sure that's that was their intent i will get i will 100 if okay that said yeah. it how it's perceived is like this looks unfinished to me it looks like and which mm, which really is is even more bothersome given how long they had to finish this film and how much money they have spent on this film Right. It should be a whole lot better than it actually is. Uh, you know, the the stuff in the Chrono Bowl when he's actually doing the time travel stuff, all of that looks. That to it, me, it looks fan film ish well, in, in a I, lot of these places. I mean, the the rescue well, the rescue sequence at the hospital is egregious in it in in how terrible it is. So, so there's a couple of things here that, I mean, we'll get more into spoiler spoilers later, but there's a, the, the big slow motion, fast, you know, he yeah. moves fast, everything else moves slow, um, scene. I, and, and, and honestly, I had these same problems with, with the Flash's appearance in, in the other films. Yeah. Other film film justice league whichever version right um is that we've seen a really really fantastic slow motion quicksilver scene yep that kind of set the bar super high yeah and i have and you know the the cw flash you know they're working on a much smaller budget they they get a they get a larger pass for on TV and it's but their stuff, looks, their stuff looks better than this well almost. yeah and and that's that's a problem um and, but, and no Michael not a chrono ball a chrono bowl it's like it looks like he's at the floor of a stadium the bowl comes up I mean right so the only thing we'll get again we'll get into spoilers later but that's a design choice mm-hmm. that I would not have made and it bothered me because I get 
what the again this is i get i can see what the intent was yeah but i don't like the execution and that's some of that's you know just personal opinion as someone with a design degree uh and you know production design on on okay independent film guys i mean i'm not i i, I am not like some you know hollywood authority or anything i don't no, nobody's given me that much money to play with but from a design perspective from from a it just i didn't care for it yeah i get but i get what they were trying to do and and what the goal visually there is it just didn't eh, i didn't like it much well see if if you were going to do that <clears throat> what they what they could have done is instead of the visuals that we got from just one timeline one universe is that whole thing where he's surrounded by moments of the past, all of those should have been alternate moments in alternate past. Possibly, yeah. And say, you know, here's, here's, here's my world between worlds, right? And this is the trajectory I'm going. But, oh, look, over here, I could go this way and be a completely different place in the space-time continuum. Or I could go this way and do something different. There, there's a missed opportunity there in, and I, if you, you know, repeating patterns are cheaper than doing new things every, you know, 30 degrees around the circle, but it, it just didn't, it just didn't look good. uh, Yeah. I didn't care for the visual, but it also reinforces another issue, which is when this film was supposed to come out versus when it did come out. Yeah. Because timing wise, and this is, of course, it's going to impact the box office as well. Um, this is a multiverse movie. We just had a multiverse movie come out, which is better. There's a lovely animated picture called Spider-Man um, that also deals with the multiverse. Right. And and it also we come into we come into a thing where if the, if if what what was the original planned release date for this movie? I'd have to go back and look. I don't remember. Yeah. I mean, this thing got moved what six different times. Oh yeah, and there were so many. There were so many different things going on with yeah. with impacting its schedule that the fact that it even got released is kind of a is kind of a big deal. Um, well, and there were the... there were a lot of people that were wondering if they if if Warner Brothers were just going to cancel it and write it off, and and yeah. a number of us were like, nope, they've got too much money in this. They have to release it. Uh, yeah. But but. They're not gonna. They're not going. It, this is not gonna make a billion. I. I don't think. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's right. gonna go past eight fifty. I. It. it you're. Honestly. You're very likely right, and I think that there's. I'm sorry, but what, I also what, think that. What was that? What was that? Did you just said? I'm. You, I'm what? You've <laughs> been. I said very likely. First of all, I said very likely. I didn't say you are. Well, um, but you've been right occasionally. Um, the. Uh, just occasionally. Um, but the. Uh, to some degree. Warner Brothers doesn't care. I mean, it's out. It's going to do what it's going to do. They're getting ready to reboot the whole universe anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's to some degree, it's a wa- it's a write off anyway. No matter, you know, because they're right. They're uh, e- even though this film sets up the possibility, and this will please some people and not please some people. It sets up the possibility that any of the characters can come back. Right. Because this film sits there and goes, "Hey, a whole bunch of characters came back." A whole bunch of actors came back. Um, and we'll get into that in the spoilers later. But 
honestly, since since this is the film that the way this film ends, I think very much Gunn has given himself the ability to sit there and go, okay, I'm gonna have you know, I'll, I'm gonna be able to pluck the stuff I want from this and put it in this new universe, new version that I'm creating, and this is this is a helping. To do that. I think the other the other aspect of that, as far as the question of whether or not to release this movie, even even with everything going on with Ezra Miller and Henry Cavill and all the PR mess, sure. is I'm curious whether or not the decision was influenced by how contracts are written. Because as we heard with the with the Black Widow thing with Scarlett Johansson suing Marvel over all of that with Black Widow going to streaming before it was, you know, had a good run in theaters. I'm wondering if they release this movie knowing that it wouldn't make its money back, knowing that it's not going to make what they need it to make so that certain clauses in the contracts don't get triggered and Warner Brother ends up having to pay even more money on the back end. Because oh, points, awesome. royalties, all this other stuff, if that's all factored in, or if there's some kind of a pay-or-play cl- uh, clause in there where if this movie doesn't actually get released, then we have to pay you X. I'm well, wondering if, yeah, that, I, the, if that's part of this, too. I, I think that, that certainly could be a factor, although considering the you're when you're looking at who the stars are in this film who people whose contracts are most likely to look like that yeah the person who's most likely to have that contract would be miller and i'm pretty sure that warner brothers legal department could write a pretty compelling brief that under the circumstances yeah that the certain of these clauses there's i suspect there's something in there that says if you screw up on the level that public level that miller was very public having issues um we've got an escape clause yeah uh it's like you know these the entertainment lawyers get paid a lot of money for a reason Right. Um, and and that's because they're protecting large corporations. No. Um, and and so, yeah, I mean, when when they screw up, it's a big deal. And so they try very hard not to. Um, so they, there's just a whole lot of protection in there. But potentially, I mean, yeah, some of this stuff could literally be contract requirements. Yeah. Well, um, but I mean, I. And, and I, I got to say, I. I am uh, I am curious as to whether or not we might get a royalty check for our logo showing up here behind Bruce Wayne. <laughs> I saw that. I was like, wait a minute. Right. Yeah. Hang on. Cool. Uh, I mean, it's not exact, but I mean, that's our planet and that's our spaceship back there. I was like, I looked at that and went, hang on, that's our logo in the flash. What do you know? Right. What are the odds? That's kind of funny. So. Anyway, uh, I don't know. I just there's so there are so many problems with this now. Nine point seven million from previews that includes Monday screenings all the way up through Thursday, which means that's not good. Uh, well, but I mean, we we didn't pay for Monday screening, right? But the ones the ones where tickets have been on sale for for various screenings throughout the week up through Thursday that that covers all of that nine point seven million, and it's I, only and looking. Why? Maybe 
maybe twenty, maybe a sixty million dollar weekend. That's bad. Yeah. Well, why are we still calling Thursday night previews? These are films opening on a Thursday night. Yeah, but though it's, yeah. I mean, they're, they're opening on a Thursday night. They're just they're there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, come on, these aren't previews. Um, but no, I yeah, I think well, I think it's I think, not. I think it's called previews because it's not in every single theater until Friday, right, maybe. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. And and for a while, for a, for a long time, they literally were like advanced screenings right. and things like that. They were, but yeah, these days, you know, they're they're included in the box office. Just call them an opening. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think that this is this is the if if this was the film that they required to keep things going, it's going to be a financial disappointment. Um, it's not. It's actually the coda to a version of the DC cinematic universe that is done. It's a weird film in that regard. And this is it's in, in this, in this time of franchises and serialized movies that tell bigger stories for these franchises. It's an odd, it's a, you know, it's, it's, it's the ugly duckling of, of this thing because it's you know and it's, and it's not going to turn into a swan guys it's i was again swan dive maybe i mean on like i said i i was often entertained and i think the i think the performances that the actors gave were really really good and i laughed at some of the humor but not all of it um and mostly i laughed at the fat stuff that was self-reverential mm-hmm because there was a lot of that. There's a lot of there's a lot of internal commentary on both Miller and the Snyderverse in this movie. Yeah, I re- I remember looking over at you one point saying this is very meta. Yeah. And it it bothered me that it was so blatant. It wasn't it wasn't subtle. It wasn't cute. It was just yeah, I don't we think know it was meant gonna... to be subtle or cute. I know, and um, that and that that makes it not work as well because well, and... because it's it shows a, at least to me, it shows a certain lack of self awareness that we're just going to make this part of the thing. Mm. No, not not. not Maybe, maybe not necessarily the best way to do that, given how many people are upset about all of this stuff that y'all have oh. done. So, oh, yeah, no, I, know, think, I think it felt very much in your face. We're gonna make we're gonna make light of the stuff that's that's upset you for the last two years. I think it was very intentional, or I felt like to me, I, I can't like I can't speak for the filmmakers. Um, I feel like it was intentional, and I feel like again, their goal was to let you know that they're a they're acknowledging it in the movie, which is a choice. And I don't know that I necessarily agree with it, but it didn't bother me. I, I some of it I thought was actually fair. The, the commentary, the, the, the little bits of commentary on the Snyderverse, I thought were less problematic for me than the common self commentary on Miller. Right. Yeah. Um, But to some degree, you know, the, the, and I'm not. I'm, they're not jabs at the Snyderverse. They're sort of acknowledgments of certain things within it, right? Right. Um, so, and let, me, let me be clear. Okay, I, if you enjoy the Snyderverse, then good. I'm happy you do. 
um, that's that was the goal. That was Snyder's goal was to make films you would enjoy, right? That's every every filmmaker sets out to do that. They don't set out to make a film that's going to make well. Some filmmakers do set out to film make films to make you angry, but that's a choice too. Yeah. Um, so I mean, again, I don't like the Snyderverse. That you can, I'm not telling you you're wrong. I'm just saying that I appreciated the fact that there was some acknowledgement that in this film that some of those things. That said, because we're we're past where we would normally be the halfway point, yeah. so we so should get into spoilers. Just, well, so here's here's the sum up. Okay, yeah. I was sometimes entertained. I think the performances are strong. The actors do good work in this film. Yes, that is a strength of this movie: is that the actors do good work, and the big picture. I don't have a problem with the big picture in the story. Execution, the effects work, um, disappointing. And if you're going in thinking you're getting a giant, big budget superhero extravaganza, you're probably going to be disappointed. There are joys to be had in this film, a lot of it, but it comes down to the actors. That's... Yeah, I uh, I was not entertained for the most part. There were moments that I could appreciate, but mm. I didn't enjoy. I was bored throughout most of it. I thought the humor was was uh, the humor fell flat for me. I didn't I didn't find any of the jokes funny. I I could recognize. Oh, you mean for this to be funny? You know, I recognized the humor, I recognized the jokes, but I I didn't find them funny at all, and and not because Ezra Miller and all of this stuff, not because of that. I I tried to set that aside as much as I could. I'm just watching this movie, just to watch this movie, and ultimately, I think I'm bored because I know it doesn't matter because yeah. everything having to do with Zod, all of that stuff. Because what happens at the beginning and what happens at the end completely negates all of the stuff that happens in the middle. And you don't even need it for the story arc. Well, but I mean, at the same kinda, time, that's, do, that's a lot of time travel movies. I know, but it's it's not done very well. Now, I enjoyed seeing Michael Keaton back as Batman. No question. Yes. That was fun. Um, although, although I'm sorry, guys. As much as as much as it's an iconic line for his character, <clears throat> I'm I'm not a fan of his "Let's get nuts" delivery. It's too flat. Yeah, I, it I, felt it felt very well. And and I have seen some comment online that if this was the Michael Keaton Batman that we were going to get in Batgirl, it's probably for the best because he doesn't have that same. In some places, he doesn't have that same frenetic, kinetic energy that he has. Well, because when you're, when you're, and I know he's older, he's been retired. Gotham City yeah. is, is, you but know, yeah, is, what, what you fans, know, what fans want to see there, right? Yeah. yeah. But in the, it, in the first two films, Keaton, even when, especially when he was, when he was Bruce Wayne, you could see. Just behind the facade, this bottled up energy that he just wanted to burst because mm -hmm. everything was going on. It, it was subtle, 
but you could see it. Oh yeah. And this one, it's not there. He's resigned. He's de- he's he's not defeated. He's deflated. And well, uh, yeah. And I, I I think that if it the the thing is is that if we had had a arc of more Michael Keaton Batman movies, yeah. And then we came back to that twenty years later with this version of the character. It might have felt more. If you're going in thinking you're getting a Batman from 1989, that's just right. not realistic. Well, and it and it works still. I mean, yeah. and and they they treat they treat Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne much better than the Star Wars franchise treated Luke Skywalker. There's no question about that. Well, it's it's not that bad. <clears throat> He's resigned not because he gave up, but because he finished. Gotham City yeah, he, is better. They don't need him anymore. And and that's a completely different thing. Which than, lets you know you're in an alternate universe right off the bat. Because right. an alternate universe where, where Batman wins? Yeah. And 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 it's not a it's not a dystopia. I, okay. We have yeah. we actually yeah. very rarely see that version. That was kind of nice, actually, to yeah. see a, a one where Batman pulled it off. He made he made Gotham better. Yeah. But I, 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 there are too many things in this movie that bothered me for me to enjoy it. Well, and so. and that's perf- I think that's that's fair. It, there's a lot going on in this movie, and I think that uh, I, I mentioned this afterwards is, and I don't necessarily need this, right? I don't need a four hour cut, but if this is actually would have this would have better served as two films. If if it yeah. was going to be part of the larger universe, still right, right, because because you could spend the first film building up to a certain point in the movie, and then the second film, because I would actually take you, I would actually take you to the first two acts of this film in the first film, which would give that tone time to breathe, and then the third act would be the final picture because it would just be like this all out thing. Yeah. Were it I were, were, should people consult me and, and give which they don't. It'd be nice if they did though. All right. We're going to take a real quick break. We will be back with spoiler territory right after this. We don't, we don't take breaks very often. We're going to do that today. Stand by everybody. We are vengeance. We are the night. We are sci-fi for me. Hi everyone, Jason Hunt here, inviting you to join us every Saturday morning for news. The week's headlines in science fiction, fantasy, horror, comic books, video games, plus Comic-Con updates and the weather, and the occasional interview along the way. We call it Good Morning Multiverse. We hope you join us every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 Central, right here on Sci-Fi For Me TV. That's a really good question. Yeah, that's a great question. That's a good question. That's a good question. But that's a really good question. That's a great question. When you need to know, count on Sci-Fi for me to be there asking all of the questions. That's been the question I've been asking myself quite a lot. That's a tough question. This is a rough question. That is a that that is a deep question. Bringing you news and opinion from all over the web. Sci-Fi for me, delivering the multiverse since 2009. All right, here we are. We're back. I was going to hit a button, and then there wasn't there something with the button. So, hi, everybody. 
Now we're getting into spoilers. Big spoiler <laughs> warning. Big spoilers. Big spoilers. Big spoilers. Because this is where uh, we're going to talk about stuff in the movie that if you're going to go see the movie, this is where you stop watching this or stop listening until you see it. And then you could come back and finish. Right. Or if you're if spoilers don't bother you, then you can stick around. We'll let you. Yeah. <laughs> so where do we start? Do you want to you um, want to you want to start with the cameos or? Well, yeah, because there's some there's some cool things and some things that that uh, the more I think about it, the more uncomfortable I am with them. Yeah. Um, this is a cameo packed movie, and some of it is, I think, you know, built in. We've got we've got Michael Keaton's Batman, we've got um, Ben Affleck doing Batman, mm-hmm. we've got spoiler alert for the ending, folks. George Clooney returning to a role that he has apologized for again and again. And I thought that actually was, on one hand, very funny. Um, on the other hand, um, again, it doesn't matter anymore. So let me let me ask you this because I've seen some I've seen some comments about Clooney being in there and some people who are very irate about Clooney being in there because Clooney is the same Bruce Wayne as Michael Keaton because well I mean okay okay but the problem no no here's here's you. You can't in multiverse stuff. You can't think linearly. Right. Yes, on on one level, yes, that is completely true. Yeah. But on the other I hand, mean, it's, in, a, it's within an, the in, continuity of the original films. Sure, but this is a multiverse, so yeah. you're going to have a multiverse. You're going to have a multiverse where Batman Five starred Michael Keaton, and you're going to have a universe where Batman Eighty Nine starred George Clooney, which would have been really weird. Um, but <laughs> You know, or or the one where Val Kilmer was ba- always Batman. That's yeah. just, I mean, this. I I get, I completely understand why people want to to uh, not want to might be might be bothered by that. But well, it's and a also and also because we got uh, early on, we saw you know behind the scenes photos. You know, we've got photos from the set, and we saw Keaton shooting that scene. Because that's that's where we saw you know there were the, that exterior location and stuff. Right. Yeah. So in all of the stuff that happened with the reshoots and everything, that was supposed to be Keaton to start with, and they flipped it and replaced him with Clooney. Well, because I also think they were planning on with with Keaton was supposed to in in you know previous incarnations of this yeah. the ending the ending scene that we got was different because it was supposed there was there's a version out there where where he comes barry comes back in the future that things seem the way they should be and yet you know he's got keaton's batman is batman and uh but he still gets contacted by supergirl and uh ben affleck's batman so there's a version of this story out there that is meant to be a springboard for another story. Well, it was supposed to set up Batgirl, wasn't it? 
Um, if, if it came out when it was supposed to, yeah. yeah. But then it didn't, so that got changed. But even so, by the time by the time we reach the point where this film is actually out, so much has gone on in terms of what the plans for DC comic book movies are going to be mm. that the ending. And then here's the, here's part of the problem with the film. It has a resolution, and then it gives you a whimper. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a cute little bit. It's a it's a coda, and yeah. and and then and then you have the thing with with Aquaman at the end that was just dumb, but it's there to remind us that we've got an Aquaman movie coming in December. Right, right. Uh, yeah. Over on Odyssey, we've got a quote. Uh, we got a, a comment here from Road Vagabond Live. I think the next Marvel movie should be the last one called Superhero Retirement Home because this whole genre has gotten so old. I you know, and that's something you and I have talked about a, a lot about the bubble and the fact that we are still in this superhero movie thing where, you know, this has been going on now for well over 10 years and maybe, I guess maybe closer to 15 now, but we haven't, we haven't gotten to the end of it yet. Yeah. But the Western, the Western was what? 25, 30 years. Yeah. Something like that. And in terms of being one of the dominant forces, of course, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. We we expected the bubble to burst, partially because of just the cost of making these movies. Mm-hmm. You know, and the fact that you how much money you have to make for them to be profitable, yeah. and how long that was sustainable. And it turns out longer than we thought. Uh, well, we will see how that how that plays out with the writer strike. Because well, yeah, I mean, there's you know, that, we've had the we've happen. had the thing with Disney Disney pushing back all of their productions, and I imagine now that Paramount will probably do the same thing, and Universal will do the same thing. You know, Cameron Pasha has reported that he's got writers telling him that they're starting to get force majeure letters, right. so projects are starting to die complete deaths. Not mm-hmm. not mostly dead; they're all dead. Right. Uh, so which that's saw, which happen. we saw with previous writer strike as well. Yeah. But I'll, but I tell you what, this may actually extend the bubble because the fact that you get so much, so many of these things happen. Like, I mean, how many Marvel movies happened in such a really short period of time, mm-hmm. and that works to a degree, but it's also potentially speeds up your getting tired of it because there's always yeah. something there. Well, I think and, the other two, the other thing too is in in the midst of all of this negotiating for pay stuff, there has got to be the inevitable discussion of budgets and sure. how much this stuff costs because you offset that with how much you're paying the people that are involved in making this thing, right? And all of that becomes this nebulous. Thing that you know, one piece is affected by the other piece is affected by the other piece, and if I'm paying you more as a writer, then I have less money to pay for visual effects or excess or you know, t- take your pick. Any yeah, but I mean, the writers aren't asking for like double my salary. No, I know, I know, I know. But yeah, and we were talking about this the other day how how you cape how you track 
the streaming stuff because, you know, streaming right now is a lost leader. <coughs> the only real good solid way that they're going to figure out how to compensate somebody, because back in the old days, we, I, we were talking about this yesterday on Bunker, back in the old days, you have uh, television stations that would syndicate shows. Let's say if I, I'm running, I'm running the, the, you know, I'm running channel 21 in Dallas and I want to run all of the, I want to run all the re, the reruns of family matters. So I'm paying King world syndicate or whoever it is, has that new world television, Warner brothers. I'm paying them a, mm-hmm. basically a rental fee for the, for the permission to take that right. TV show and put it on my TV station. And the, the, the episodes that I get have a built-in advertising block where the syndicator will sell some ads to offset their costs. And then we have some blank spots that we can sell ads so we can get some of our money and in, in, in back on that. And the number of times a show runs... The TV stations send an affidavit to the thing, and so now you've got, well, this this episode aired this many times during the year, and mm-hmm. so you figure out your residuals and your royalties off of that. Streaming, you can't do that. Right, so it's all what on they're demand. Gonna, what they're going to end up having to do, I think, is an accurate watch time count that mm-hmm. is available for third-party review... And it's going to have to be like that, you know, arbitration and, and, and review and that kind of thing in order sure. to determine, OK, well, this show got watched this many minutes. And if you figure out, OK, this is a 68 minute TV episode. And if it's and if we've got, you know, 68,000 minutes of watch time in the year, then you get X and so amount of money. <coughs> They're going to have to do it that way because they can't. You, you, reruns are not a thing in 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 streaming right so it's just and yeah and, it's the, and the, you've the, got to think that they've already thought about this because the streaming services have refused flat out they don't want anybody knowing what their numbers are which has people suspecting that the numbers are not as great as they want to make it out to be it's just having some sort of way to track this ultimately is going to have to happen because at the end of the day if you're going to do streaming it you've only got so many human eyeballs that you can put on this stuff Mm -hmm. you've got a limited audience and you have to figure out a way to make sure that enough of those viewers are watching your programs or else you can't afford to do it anymore yeah which is why a lot of these streaming services are now coming up with this what's called fast free ad supported television, which is basically sure. TV from when we were in grade right. school, yep. you know, it's just TV with commercials. Well, and quite <laughs> frankly, the, the, the way that, and this is, you know, we're, we're way off top. We're pretty off topic, but the way that this all started shifting when cable came along mm-hmm. and nobody quite recovered, I think, from the advent of cable because yeah. it just kind of, you know, cause it was cable and VA it was VHS and it was cable and it was DVD and uh, da, 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 streaming and all these things. And 
And there's never been this moment where it all was like, here's the here's the box that it all yeah. fits in and we can look at all the pieces and it, it was just always changing. So, yeah. yeah, we'll see what it ends up turning into. Yeah. All right. Okay. Now, it would not be the H2O podcast without a digression, right? Oh, yes. Why doesn't anyone appreciate a good digression? You know what they're going <laughs> to say at your funeral? Great lady always stayed on topic. <laughs> Um, anyway, <laughs> there we go. Love it. Um, it's, I like that a lot. The we get all right. Okay, so folks, spoiler alert for the plot. Uh, Barry decides he's going to travel back in time and try and save his mother who was murdered. His father went to prison. Uh, he didn't kill his mother, but he was blamed for it. That's the reason Barry became a, a, a scientist with the police department. And he goes back in time, just like in the Flashpoint series, the comic that is, this is not, act, it's based on the very broad strokes, right? Yeah, it's pieces of Flashpoint. That yeah, it's, are, not, it's not an adaptation, yes, really. Right. Um, he goes back in time, um, meets his younger self, um, hook, hooks up with that universe's, that version of reality's Batman, which is Michael Keaton. Um, General Zod. It's it's set it's, it's set in the same time period as as Man of Steel. That's how far back he's in time he's going. Well, now and 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 that is an accident because when he he goes back to save his mom and then he's mm-hmm. on his way back and Death Flash comes out and knocks him out of the Chrono Bowl. Right. And he and and he lands in the time period where Zod is attacking Earth, right? And he's like, and "Oh crap! What? Yeah, do we because do? there's no just there's there's no. He's like, we got to find we got to find Superman. Yeah. But in this in this reality, um, Zod caught Clark, uh, Clark's pod and discovered that in this reality, it's Supergirl who had the codex, the DNA codex in her pod or in her her body as opposed to call out so she is captured by a gov by the russians i guess Looks um, like, yeah and so then, kind of a red sun nod right which is which is in 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 the flashpoint comic it was superman uh, call was captured and i think i want to say it was the american government so it's just flipping things yeah um but it's supergirl instead of superman she ends up helping fight Zod, um, and you get a little bit of a Justice League. You get two Flashes, um, you get a Supergirl, and you get a Batman. Okay. Um, it all goes wrong. Like it does. And everybody dies. Um, More than once. Well, and, and, and I'll talk about that in a second, because I actually kind of liked that on one level and didn't like it on another, but, um, the, there, we get a dark version of Barry. We get, we get a, we get a evil speedster. And if you watch the CW show, evil speedsters are everywhere. They are, they are in, they're in the dustbin. They're in your closet. Um, they're getting ready to deliver your mail. Yeah. They're just everywhere. They they work at the coffee shop down the street. Um, and so 
the reveal that the big bad of this picture is not Zod, it's the younger version of Barry refusing to, um, well, on one hand, refusing to give up, which is a good thing until it's not. Yeah. And there's, again, we come back to the drama part of this film, I think really working in the care sometimes in the character interactions really working this realization that Barry has looking at his younger self, destroying everything because he's trying to save everything. Mm-hmm. I think is an, I actually liked that quite a bit. However, I've also seen so many different evil speedsters and dark versions of a character and yeah. evil versions of a character. It didn't feel fresh. It didn't feel, you know, I, mean, I appreciate, again, I appreciate what they're trying to do there, but. Well, um, the, 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 the thing about this is younger Barry almost at, from the beginning of this having the same skill set as older, more experienced, I've learned how to do this stuff, Barry. Um, you know, the, the phasing, for example, younger, younger Barry just somehow manages to figure it out all on his own, just, just doing it. Um, and then, you know, when he, when he sees every single time, uh, stuff doesn't go his way, you know the heroes are the the heroes continue to die, and he keeps going back in time to try to change it, and the heroes continue to die, and he's doing this, and and he gets injured and hurt and all, and by the time you realize that death flash from the very beginning that we haven't seen throughout the entire movie until he comes back at the end, oh, this is an older Barry who's been doing this loop. Over and over and over and over and over again. And, and yes, refuses to give up. But at the same time, you know, he's he's basically dealing with kind of one of these Doctor Who fixed points in time. I'm sorry. I'm so, so sorry. Because right, yeah. this is how it's going to play out. But on the flip side of that, think about how many alternate universes he's creating by going back in time over and over and over and over and over again. Well, I mean, yeah, there's because the younger Barry is less experienced. Sure, he he clearly he's innately talented and he doesn't have he doesn't have the trauma that Barry had, which probably explains why he's able to do this stuff, learn this stuff very quickly. Yeah. Um, because he's not carrying that weight. But at least that's what made sense to me anyway. Sure, because um, he's had he's had time with his mother. Right. Yeah. So this stuff maybe this stuff comes more and just comes more intuitively. But there's a the fact that he's not as experienced, that he doesn't already have hasn't gone through some of the trauma that Barry has makes his decision to try and save people when he clearly can't save them. It makes narratively it makes sense mm-hmm. character wise it makes sense i'll tell you what though as much as i love a good hopeless task i got real tired of watching these characters die yeah and part of that oh guys i'm telling you again if you like the snyder version of these characters all power to you but it's just more grimdark for me and 
I'm a horror fan, guys. You know, I mean, I, I well, give, there's a there's a, a difference. There's a difference between horror and superhero right. movies, and and sure, you got the things like you know Marvel zombies and and right, right, right. D, you yeah, know no. DC Knights or you know all, all you know Blackest Night or whatever whatever they did with all that right. stuff. Sure. But that's a specific thing. You're, you're right. not the entire line of DC titles and Marvel titles are all grimdark. Right. And, and, and so Snyder stuff has just been, ugh. but I'll tell you, but I tell you what, the, I, I, have seen a couple of people complain that, that, you know, why does Supergirl keep losing guys? Supergirl is Clark was able to beat Zod because Clark, for all the fact that, that Zod was a military guy, Clark had more experience in using his powers. Mm-hmm. He'd been using them since he was a child. Yeah. Zod, very impressive, learned on the fly, good for him. But this is all this is this is you're taking Supergirl and and Zod at the same level. She was trapped in a container under red uh, red sun lighting. She is not operating at her full potential if she had learned grown up on Earth as a kid using her powers, she would have potentially beaten Zod just like Superman did. But that's not the case. So the fact that she keeps losing to Zod makes sense narratively. If you... Okay, if you are looking at it from the point of view of Man of Steel story and how this connects, if you're an audience member coming in blind, maybe you never saw Man of Steel. Maybe you forgot. This could bother you. So I understand why some people are bothered by it. But well, in terms of bookending, bookending the first film in this in this universe yeah. and essentially the last film, it narratively it makes sense. Although Michael Shannon has said that basically his his return as Zod was basically just kind of a waste of time for him. Well, he uh, it he wasn't that, very fulfilling. He said it was. He was not particularly. He enjoyed the. He enjoyed working with the people on the film. Um, but he, he had the the interesting part for him was make, playing Zod the first time. Yeah. Shannon is not a fan of going back to roles he's played before because he's done it and now it's not interesting anymore. And so, on one hand, he was like, "Yeah, this is." I mean, I had a good time, but it wasn't an interesting thing for me. No, the, the see the other part of that too is you look at um, you look at the complaints about the girl boss character, the Mary Sue's, you know, the Rays, and 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 you know, ninety pounds soaking wet can drop a three hundred pound berserker with just you know a wink and a nod type of thing, you know, Galadriel over on Rings of Power. And people complain about that, but then now you get a more realistic type of of scenario where Zod is clearly stronger and you know more skilled in the, in like you're talking about you know Supergirl doesn't have the the knowledge of the experience to bring to the fight. Of course, she's going to lose. Well, I mean, she's essentially a flying brick at this point. Yeah, and 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 the thing is, is that so is Zod. He's he's not actually in terms of in terms of a build of experience using his superpowers. Mm. He doesn't have an edge on her. She doesn't have an edge on him. The deciding factor here 
if in is military experience whereas whereas uh clark's clark's uh advantage was the fact that he had more experience in using the powers if it had been a straight up fight between military experience and and clark would have lost in man of steel yeah but i completely understand audiences looking at this and especially after you've watched supergirl die like the third time Mm -hmm. you're like do i do i need to see this again and and again narratively this makes sense okay because this is what drives younger barry it's this is what's driving him it always is the death of these people Mm -hmm. but as a viewer and as somebody who's tired of this gray Snyderverse. Yeah. It, it was, it was more than I wanted to see. Well, and when, when we were sitting here talking about it, it occurs to me to ask the question, after watching the movie, you see the whole thing play out. Supergirl is a plot device. She's she's less of a character than she is a plot device to get from point A to point B to point C. Because, so, you, you know, you have the whole Zod thing and Batman and whatnot, but ultimately, really, this this thing isn't even about fighting Zod. It's we have to take this in order to get to this point. You know, Zod's even a plot device more oh, than yeah. anything else as well. So, so what this film does really, really well, and one one of the reasons why you and I were both really kind of surprised how good Miller do, does in this film in terms of performance, yeah. is it really does dig in and focus on Barry. And it gives you a character arc and character development and char- more character development growth in this than in any other time we've seen. Most of the DC, of the I'm <laughs> yeah. sorry, guys, most right. of this, the, the Snyderverse films are not good for character growth. They're just not. No, they're not. He, he, Barry gets a ton of character growth and Miller does a fantastic job showing it. Bruce Wayne gets a bit of a character arc. Not a big one. He puts on the suit again. He comes back from retirement. But there's not a whole lot to that. There's a whole lot of nostalgia going on here with the Batcave and the Batplane and, and the Batmobile. Yeah. And all these, these if you are if you watched Batman 89 and you loved it, if you were there in the theater like I was back in 89, um, it's, it, it ticks off the nostalgia buttons and it does a great job with it. And, this, and the music and you're like, yay, okay. But... But it's all a lot of it is all surface. There's not I mean it's this isn't Batman's story. Right. And it even less so is it Supergirl's story. And she has got the least screen time, least uh and and this is just how this these kind of stories work out. Somebody always ends up with the short end of the stick in terms of story. But I actually I thought the the moments where we see her become I will fight, you know, I will fight with you, yeah. you know. That's a great moment, um, but you're right. She's she's there to so that we can have a Justice League, right? She's there so that we can have a Superman analog in this alternate universe, and we're 
there's not much more for her to do, which is a shame because I thought she did. I thought she did a very good job playing the character she's playing. I thought she did fine. And, and Michael, we talked about why Keaton's Batman quit in the first place. We talked about that, and you were here. He he won. He fixed it. Gotham Gotham was safe, and they don't need Batman anymore, so he retired. He but was able the to other, hang up the cake. The other thing you mentioned the music. And this mm -hmm. is something that actually bothered me because every time we got Batman, we got Danny Elfman's Batman theme, sure. which in and of itself is fine. But juxtaposed, bumped up against the score, the new score for The Flash, for all of the other stuff that was going on, yeah. there, it was such a hard cut between yeah. oh yeah no question there, it's a, it, well, here's all this other stuff now here's batman's theme and then we go back to this other oh, batman's theme and and it was like that's such an abrupt i mean it's it's whiplash throughout the entire movie on everything but also the music does the well, whiplash as well there's it's not a smooth blend jason what's what's the flash's theme well any of the, the you know, he doesn't have a theme music. he doesn't have right. a theme but the score that's going on in, the, I, I know, in, in, I in all of this stuff. But it occurred to me that Flash doesn't have his own music. No, he doesn't. He I mean, doesn't. he does. It's the soundtrack of this film, but there's yeah. like a, not like a piece of it I can sit there and go, and here is the, here's, you know, it's not da -na 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 yeah. for Wonder Woman or, or right. uh, it's whatever not like, version of it. It's not like John Williams does for every single character in the Star Wars universe. Right. But, but it's, you know. uh, yeah, it's, just, it's a little disappointing. I think, <laughs> but it's uh, there's there are pieces again there's some there are pieces of this movie I think that uh, if there's a four hour version well I watched the Snyder cut um so I'm saying <laughs> you know and and I'm like, well just like I'm curious to see what the air cut really looked like just because on, on an intellectual level mm -hmm. I'm not like you know I don't need to them to release it I just but if it shows up and be like, yeah, I'll watch it. Yeah. If the four-hour version of this film were to show up, I'd be like, yeah, I'd watch it. Because I'd like to think... Because Machete's actually done... I mean, the, I'm a little surprised how choppy this film feels, considering his track record. Yeah. And this is also someone who did It, it Chapter 2, which I had real issues story structure with-wise. So, I had real issues with story structure-wise. Yes, that's, that's a bright sentence. Yeah. Um and because, he's, and he's going to do Batman and Robin, and honestly, or Brave and I, Bold, whatever it's called. I am not overly concerned about that at this point. Um, so it feels a lot like there's definitely stuff missing in terms of that story structure and, mm -hmm, right. and spending time because because what we got in terms of character development and performance, a lot of that is both. That's a that's a that's a team up between an actor and a writer and a writer and a director. Right. So the, that's a team working together to produce that kind of stuff. That's yeah. what directors are for. Right. So there's straight, some of his strengths are very much on display in this movie, but, and directors don't do the special effects. So I'm not worried about that. Right. At this point. Sure. I, that could change. I'm just saying right now, but there's just, I mean, the film is just so damn overstuffed. Okay, let me, uh, the ending of the movie, right? 
all of our cameos. And I'll tell you what, part of me absolutely loves it. And part of me really doesn't. Yeah. You get, get part of it's a visual, right? I don't, I don't like the alternate universe ball representation. Right. Yeah. Although I don't, I don't... that's kind of comic booky. I know. And, and so I, while I, I get, again, I get the intent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The execution <clears throat> is not all that. Good. I didn't care for it. And, and again, folks, you might, you might like it. You might sit there and look at it and go, I, I thought that was cool. Great. Well, it, it, just... it reminded me of crisis on infinite earths when they had various different visual depictions of the multiverse and all of these, mm-hmm. all of these earths are coming together and smashing together. Right. So, okay. I, I get what he's trying to do. Yes. It just didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't I, like the execution. I didn't, I didn't like I didn't the, the visual, but so we get all these cameos from other versions of characters. We get Christopher Reeves, Superman. We get Helen Slater's Supergirl. Yes. We get Nicolas Cage's Superman. Let's talk about that one for a minute. <laughs> well, hold on. Let's come back to that okay. one. All right. Let's we'll come back to that, that one. Uh, we get uh, George Reeves, Superman. Yes. We get um, these little moments where we see these alternate versions of these characters. We get we Adam get West Batman. Adam West Batman. Uh, somebody asked earlier if we see John Wesley ship and. I think we do. I think some, some people have said that that looks like Teddy Sears, but I don't think it's Teddy Sears. If you were going to do that, you'd use John Wesley Ship, because Teddy well, Sears, Teddy Sears was Jay Garrick, but he's actually ended up being Zoom over on on the CW uh, right. Flash stuff. So you wouldn't use him. You'd use uh, you'd use John Wesley Ship, and I think they did. They put him in Jay Garrick's helmet. Yeah. Uh, which I think is what's throwing them off. But what... we were also supposed to get some. We were also supposed to get some some cameos that were cut. There was supposed to be a, a Linda Carter cameo that was cut uh, in this sequence. Yeah, uh, Burgess Meredith is the Penguin. Uh, you know, other things like that. Um, part of the downside of the effects not being where they need to be in this movie is oh. that none of these people look real. No, they don't. And it's very uncanny valley. And so again, I get what they were trying to do. Yeah. And but I there's had a, also I had a moment when Chris Reeves Superman shows up, I thought, Oh, that's nice. And then Helen Slater's Supergirl comes in. I was like, Oh, that's nice. Wait a minute. Justice for Helen Slater. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the first since those movies came out. This is, I think, the first acknowledgement that those movies are a shared universe. Right. Because they were originally supposed to be even more so than, than just sharing Jimmy Olsen. Because Chris Reeve was supposed to be in them and right. then wasn't. And then there's been this debate back and forth over the years as to whether or not Supergirl is actually connected to Chris Reeve's movies or not. Because he's got a poster, but that could just be, you know, she's a fan of the movie or whatever. But this actually establishes them within the same continuity for probably the first time in 40 some odd years, which is good to see. But yeah, you're right. I, I, the uncanny I really like valley stuff of this. I really like seeing her there. Yeah. Um, but they don't look, the, nobody looks right. 
They just don't. And no. and I understand folks who are upset about um, certainly the folks, you know, I'm one would assume knowing the legal jeopardy they would be in otherwise that this was approved by Christopher Reeves estate. Yeah, it would have to be. And so, but I understand people there, you know, the recreating actors digitally is an issue and it's an issue that, and, and honestly, if that's why everyone looked plastic, if that was a conscious choice, um, I didn't like the execution. If it was a, (laughs) but it's, I mean, it's a, a, the idea is, I think really nice. The execution takes a lot of the wind out of its sails. Well, and, and the thing that bothered me after, after I thought about it and after I heard some, some discussion about it, the thing that bothered me about the George Reeves appearance, two things. One, who do they talk to about that? Because, you know, the is there a George Reeves estate? Does he still set, have somebody responsible for managing all of that? I mean, I guess he'd have to. But two, there's no reason why that stuff should that 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 stuff should have been in color. Because the Adventures of Superman back in the 1950s, the first two seasons were black and white. After that, it was in color. There's no reason for that stuff to be black and white in this in this mess of cameos. Because it is it is. Short, it's visual shorthand for an audience that it's old. That's why it's that way. Yeah, but still, I know what what is part of the in reason this scene loses impact for me is because this is not a Superman movie or a Batman movie. Right. Although we've got Michael Keaton, this is a Flash movie. It's a two Flash movie. And there are not enough flashes in these alternate universes. This is a lovely tribute to things that have gone before. I don't discount the fact that it's a lovely tribute to things that have gone before. Yeah. But it also feels like we're done. We're going out. Here's our the, and yeah, that's, big curtain call. Yeah. And that's well, fine. And the biggest the biggest but. missed opportunity for all of that is you could have done the Alex Ross art oh, where sure. you take George Reeves and Adam West and Burt Ward and Jackson Bostwick Jr. as Captain Marvel and and uh, Isis and, and Linda Carter's Wonder Woman, uh, uh, Joanne, what was her name, playing Isis, because they were right. all they were all those superheroes at about the same time. Right, yeah. Or uh, are you, you know... Instead of George Reeves, use Christopher Reeve. You know, Christopher Reeve, Linda Carter, Adam West, Burt Ward, Jackson Bostwick, that that whole crowd, and give us that Justice League. Because how many fan films have we seen over the years that are, you know, the Justice League of the, of nineteen seventy nine right, or whatnot? Sure. Huh? Right. And we didn't get it. I I think there's this is one of those things where you can see what they're going for going for. And it either lands with you or not, but you're definitely going to see missed opportunities here. Yeah. And to some degree, that was probably part of the decision-making process is that we have so many things we could do here Yeah. that 
we have we've got an embarrassment of riches and we have to make a decision. Um, now, the Nick Cage thing. There are different aspects of this. This is a very meta thing here. So yes. Nicolas Cage Superman shows up. The long hair Superman. We've seen the photographs of him in the costume. Right, yep. We've seen the photographs of him in the Superman costume, and we've seen him in the photographs of that that translucent, weird colored revival. Which I kind of wanted to see in, in quote unquote live action. Right. Except in, in all of the stuff behind the scenes discussion about it, that was not his, that was not supposed to be the Superman costume. That was his coming back to life from the dead rejuvenation costume. It would be such a weird thing to see Superman in that I really wanted to see it. But we get Superman. Uh, we get Superman fighting the spider, fighting the giant spider. And those of you who are uh, who have been around and and you know the history of this, it is a storied history. But the original idea that Joel Silver had when he was producing this stuff, and he had Kevin Smith write it, is Superman fighting a giant spider, and why? We still don't know. And when Smith was when Smith told the story about this stuff, he's like, you know, this is not something I can write. And and so he left the project. But and Joel Silver eventually got his spider in Wild Wild West. Right. If you have a chance to listen to this whole story, (laughs) it's on an evening with Kevin Smith. And it is hysterical because it is an example of both how dumb things happen in Hollywood. Yeah. And what a writer will sit there to do, but it's like, well, sure, I'll write it for you, I guess. Um, But yeah, um, and this would have been the super, this would have been the Tim Burton directed Superman with Nicolas Cage, which didn't happen. But we get an alternate universe where a very plastic, again, uncanny valley looking Nick Cage um, but on the other See, hand, and the thing is, when when Machete spoiled this cameo two weeks before the movie, three weeks before the movie comes out, I got the impression that they had actually shot some stuff with Nick Cage. Honestly, that was my initial take as well. And I'm wondering mm-hmm. if they did a little bit of something kind of like a motion capture type of thing, maybe. maybe. But it's... And, and on one hand, it would have looked very out of place. Yeah. With the rest of it, if he had been, yeah, but, but yeah, so we get we get uh, Nicholas Cage's Superman, long hair Superman, and and this is, and it was long hair Superman because they were going to come out of the death of Superman because that's right. what Superman right. looked like at the time in the comics, <clears throat> and this whole fighting fighting the spider, and it's fun to see because you're mm-hmm. like, I know what this is, I know what they're doing, but. How many of us are there that know what that is? Unless, My, unless you know, you're going to look at that and say, "What in the world is Nicolas Cage doing there playing Superman? He was never, he never played Superman." Well, and I think that there's there's a one of the strengths and weaknesses of this film is how much it plays into you knowing mm-hmm. the movie history of these characters. Yeah. And who's played them and and 
you know, George Clooney showing up as Batman is is a it's a big deal because George Clooney has apologized for playing Batman. And right. so I mean that that it, it becomes these there's all these different levels of enjoyment that you could experience with the film based on your knowledge, but some of this stuff is deep enough cuts that audiences can sit there and go, I mean if you've if you've never seen the Michael Keaton Batman movie, you're it's not which is people haven't seen that. Um you're not going you're the and you're sitting next to somebody if if you're a 13 year old who's never seen <laughs> Batman 89 and you're sitting next to me in the theater I'm going to have a very different experience with seeing Michael Keaton play that role yeah. just because of our life experiences right right um and and so it's going to have on one hand that's what you want out of a movie right you want to be able to play to different audiences who are different experiences you want it to be general on the other hand some of this stuff is so deep cut that it's targeting a very narrow slice of the audience and that's fine that's there's nothing wrong with that no but it runs the risk of knocking everybody else out of the movie because it then becomes a distraction right and and my issue with the nicholas cage bit is that that actually they spend a lot of time on that shot yeah it is a long it's it's, it's, a it's not super long yeah. but it's long enough that i'm like how long it's is a, this gonna go? It's a featured cameo as opposed to just a cameo. I guess is how you could how you it's could make the. It's definitely longer than than um, um, you know any version of. Ba well, it's I, how long was the Christopher Reeve shot? It, but it's the other seconds, one maybe. Yeah, so it, it's it goes on a little longer than it needs to, but at the same time, it is kind of cool to see just because hey, it's an alternate universe. Yeah. And in one in one of the universes, two or three over, Nicolas Cage has played Superman in like five movies. Yeah. Now, I I do want to say this one thing about the hospital rescue. Sure. The thing with the babies. Yeah. The nightmare fuel babies. The nightmare fuel babies. I mean. This is this is this is Allie McBeal dancing baby type of of it is quality. it is not the, that bad but it's not it, that far not off not that far off it, it this was so dumb this whole sequence where he's he's running and he's running out of fuel and this is this is part of what bothers me about them giving Barry Wally's need to eat. It's because they turned it into a gag. They turned it into a joke in the middle of res uh, of this rescue. Part of the hospital is falling down. The building is collapsing. And first of all, who puts the who puts the maternity ward that far up, that high up in a hospital? I don't I don't know of any maternity ward that's that's on like the eighth or ninth, tenth, twelfth floor. And then you have um, then you have uh. All of them falling out the window. And so he's running up the side of the building and catching all of them. And and him, the way he rescues them, okay, yes, this is clever. But I would rather see him 
calculating, because Barry Allen, the forensic scientist, would do the math and say, okay, I can get this one here, this one here, this one here, and, and they all end up on the gurney and, and on the ground. This Barry Allen is reacting to, to different things. You don't see him being clever. You, well, see, you, you see all of this kind of falls, just falls into place just because it has to. Well, it's very no, ad- you actually see him moving things to affect how yeah. these things come together. But what you don't see is what you want to see, which is him figuring that out. Right. Yeah. You, you don't see that, him. You think want about that it. moment. Yeah. And I think that that's something that that you're right. It it very much is. When the next version of Barry Allen comes along, because this is my prediction, uh, while there is a script for Flash Two, there's they, they said the script has been written. Yeah, it's never. Gonna um, happen. It's not going to do enough money. To get a sequel, it's just not. No. Um, and even if, even if somehow, I don't think this is going to happen either, but even if Ezra Miller ends up being part of the new version of the DC Universe, I don't think this version of The Flash will be. I agree. Because... And I don't think Ezra Miller is going to be doing very much of anything at, the, at, at this point, but much less DC stuff. I don't think so either. But it, even if it, even if he does, it's not going to be this version of the Flash, because one of the thing, one of the problems with the Flash in general, and I'm not, I mean, not the character. I mean, in this particular version of the Flash, is one of the reasons this character, this, this character turned out to be a very, very popular character with audiences, is that in the Snyderverse, he was the only one who was trying to be funny, mm. and. It was a contrast. I mean, okay, so so you look at like Wonder Woman on her own in her own movie, a different enough a tone, right? Yeah. But I mean, you look at the yeah. um, you look at Justice League, whether it's wh- whichever cut you're looking at, um, you know, the Flash. The Flash stands out because he's the one who seems to a enjoy being a superhero, um, and yeah. b. Uh, is while he certainly can be an annoying character, that's part of the character. Is he's kind of annoying. Um, he's not annoying to audiences as much as he's annoying to the other characters in the film. And he's he's humorous. Mm-hmm. And I think that made the character really stand out. He he's likable. He's likable. And this film again, come back to the fact that the strength of this movie is characters. Um, they honestly work with that yeah but you the it, flash the flash is and, and you had said at one point this movie is a juxtaposition everything that's good about the Snyderverse and everything that's bad about the Snyderverse right. all in one package right and and unfortunately um that's an overstuffed package, and it means that this there's too much. Yeah, we got a uh, comment over on, on on Odyssey. Road Vagabond Life says, depending on the nostalgia and must multiverse tropes, just prove my previous point about uh, about the genre getting tired and old. Um, you can, see, there's nothing wrong with nostalgia. 
There's nothing wrong with you know doing doing that. Although I I am I am personally asking Hollywood right now to put a five year moratorium on time travel and multiverse movies. We don't need them now. We we're done with them. We had Doctor no, Strange. No, no, no. We had Spider Verse. We had we've got the Flash. We had everything everywhere all at once. We've had multiverse movies every year for the last four or five years. I want the third Spider-Verse film because it finishes the story and that comes well, that out next year. That one's coming out next year. So but I, that one's already start, in the pipeline. We can't start moratoriums until that's out. Well, the moratorium is on starting any new ones. Okay. So. Well, I, I, I'd be okay with that. Yeah. Because quite frankly, there while the pros of a multiverse means that you can tell a whole bunch of different kinds of stories. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. Um, And it means you're not stuck in a single continuity, which can have issues. You can, if you need to recast an actor who's problematic, you can get away with it. It's multiverse. Um, If you want to bring back Michael Keaton, you can do that because it's a multiverse. These are, it solves a lot of story problems or, or gives you, or gives you more story options, which is not a bad thing. Right. But, but. Um, uh, Michael you over on, I mean, yeah. uh, on YouTube says, looking at IMDb credits, Sasha Kaye and and Ben Affleck get top credits. Ezra gets third billing. That's not that that IMD IMDb listings do they have no reflection on anything having to do with credits in in films. A, a no. lot of times they'll be a lot of times they'll be alphabetical. Some of it depends on who got actually entered into the database first for that particular film. That that doesn't mean you know, who whoever is in the order that they're in that doesn't it doesn't have anything to do with anything. Right, right. So don't don't uh, don't be reading into that anything there. And but, it's also um, if you have an account, you can put things in. Yeah. I, so, I could go in and update the listing for the Flash. That that's that's how how poor right. no, the Flash's is. the Flash's uh, publicity department folks who sit there and go, well, that's wrong, and yeah. change it back. Um, but yeah, yeah. and because yeah, there there've actually been a couple of situations in the past. This doesn't happen much anymore, but it has happened where people have gone in and caused problems for that. But um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I. I'm I'm glad I watched it, but it's not going to be one of those films that I'm going to. If the four hour cut comes out, mm-hmm. I'll be curious and I'll watch it, but I don't feel a compelling need to watch this movie again. I I, I will agree with that. I'm gl- and in fairness to this film, I feel the same way about Batman v Superman. And uh, Man of Steel, either cut of the Justice League. Yeah. I still find interesting things about Man of Steel as a be a, where it could have gone after, and it didn't. Mm-hmm. The other thing that's been pointed out with regard to uh, Barry's mother getting killed mm-hmm. in previous iterations of Flashpoint adaptations. Hmm. We know who kills Nora. Right? It's, you know, most of the time it's Professor Zoom. It's in, it's actually an act of revenge against Barry. Yes. In this film, we have the crime itself 
We have Nora getting stabbed. We have Dad mm-hmm. being found over the body. But we know he was outside when it happened because we right. hear the noise and everything and all that. And at the end, when Barry makes the decision, a very tough decision, I'll, I'll grant him that, that he's got to actually put things back the way it was and not fix, you know, he's got to undo the fix. So he cannot the, save his mother. He cannot save his mother. At no point in any moment of this film do we introduce whoever it was that killed Barry's mother. It doesn't have to be Zoom in, in this right, thing. Right. We don't have that. And this no. whole thing is touched off by Wayne Technologies going through the surveillance footage at the grocery store where Dad happens to have his alibi... But he never looks at the vi- he never looks up at the video camera, mm-hmm. and so at the end, what ends up ha- having happened, and it's not very clear on this until later, until Barry actually spells it out. He's moved. Dad gets sent back to the store for tomato for tomatoes, a can of tomatoes, and that's what sets this whole thing off. And so Barry moves the can of tomatoes, moves all of the tomatoes to the top of the shelf. So that dad will look up and now you see his face in the in the security camera establishing right. his alibi and, and yes. But we still don't have any indication at all who killed Barry's mother. Who killed Barry's mother. And I would suspect that that would have shown up in the sequel we're not getting. Yeah. Well, and some people even said, well, maybe Barry did it. Maybe Barry did it knowing that it had to be done. But that turns into this whole grandfather paradox and was like no 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 no. that gives me a headache i'm not going to take that well and it may have actually been there in a in whatever longer version may uh, i guess exists what you could have done is barry and death flash barry both come to the realization that we're in this causality loop and, and we're just making things worse, mm. making things worse, making things worse. Okay, we're going to have to go back and let mom die. And Death Flash then becomes the zoom of this flashpoint. Mm, pretend, yeah. And, that, that. and he goes back to, to, kill, to, to kill Nora. I don't know. Uh, that, it just, it just, I'm, I'm overthinking worked, yeah. a little bit, but there's there's a there's a plot hole, a yeah. big plot hole in this whole thing. And again, that goes back to you know when he fixes things, and then when he goes back and realizes all of this is terrible, and he goes back and unfixes it. We've we've essentially kind of rendered everything in the middle, kind of pointless. Which I know is the nature well, of the nature of time travel movies. But, right. you know, I mean, we get the character a... arc. But I don't know. I, I mean, I go back to what I said at the beginning of this. I was bored. Well, I think that if we were, if we were, if Miller wasn't having their issues, if the, if the DC universe was going to continue on with mm. these versions of the characters, I think this would have been a very different experience. Maybe. And I think it I think it, it, if if this film had come out exactly like this, um it would have issues still, just like this even with that change situation. But there's an earlier cut of this movie 
that we never see mm-hmm. and will never see. That is what if if a lot of things had not been the way they turned out to be, the experience of this film would have been different. Yeah, there's a certain amount of Frankensteining this movie. Oh, there's no parts. question about that. I mean, given how many how how many times they went back for reshoots. I'm actually surprised that it holds together as well as it does. It's still a mess. I mean, it's yeah, a, it's a big mess, but it at least it at least follows a line that you can go with it and follow along and say, okay, we're going from point A to point B to point C to point C, and, well, and, and it, it doesn't it doesn't not make sense. So, and luckily, you do actually get strong performances from these actors. Yeah. And you get good character performances as as I really, really found younger Barry super irritating very quickly. And yet the character grows on grew on me because of his just enthusiasm for all this new these these new things. And just again, but at the same time, you're also watching the Barry that we know mature in front of your eyes. Um, and there's just something about, I mean, again, this is really good acting folks. I, the, these, these character, these character moments, I think are really strong. I think they're very well written. I think they're very well performed. I kind of want to see the rest of the movie that they're from. Yeah. I'm, I'm somewhat glad that I saw it, but I'm more glad that I saw it without having to pay for it. You know, because it's that's a preview. Fair. It's a preview. It's a you know, we're press. We get invited to these things. We get to review these things and discuss them and whatnot. And I didn't have to put any money into it. Right. I so. mean, I think I personally would have preferred not to pay for it. So yeah, uh, yeah. I, I'm not going to buy the DVD. I'm not going to. I'm not going to get, you know, the digital download. I don't, no. I'm glad I saw it, but it is the best and worst of the Snyderverse canon. And I'm not a fan. And so I'm okay with this being done. And I'm okay with this being the last flash movie for, with, with Ezra Miller. And I don't, like I said, I wish, I hope wish Ezra Miller nothing, but, health and mental stability that's these are important things but i don't i don't have a fan attachment to any of these actors they're fine i don't have anything against any of them but i don't have you know but neither of us are in a place where only gal gadot could play wonder woman i mean she does a really good job but yeah. again, as as we saw with Wonder Woman 1984, that only goes so far if you don't have very good material to work with. Yeah, if you you need you need a good script. Yeah, and, absolutely. And and Henry Cavill, I think, if they allow him to smile, <laughs> he makes a good Clark Kent. He makes a good Superman. But that's not the Snyderverse. No. And and now we'll all, never know. And for all the people who are like, they took the role away from him. I'm like, fine. 
give me an actor who smiles. I don't care. Just give, mm. give me a happy Clark Kent. Give me a happy, give me a Superman who feels joy. And it's not Henry's fault. It's the it's the universe it's that he lives in. Yeah. yeah. And and I'm okay with seeing that universe come to an end because as much as I like I said horror fan, I love body counts. Give me blood, splatter the screen, guys. I want my superheroes. I want my superheroes to feel inspiring. Yes. And we need They don't always have to be. There's a place for the boys, right? There, there's a place no. for that. There's a place for darker versions of superheroes. I absolutely am not against them. I don't require that they all be shiny happy people. But I want my Superman to feel hopeful. I agree. And that's just one of those things. Yeah. You know? Yep. All right. Well, we are talked out, I think. We're we're <laughs> at a point. I mean, uh I think I think two hours is, is enough to to get people an, an idea of what we what we think of this thing. Uh so if you like Ezra Miller's flash, you should go see the movie so you can see well, Ezra Miller's flash again. I, I even okay, I'm going to even say that that Miller's performance in this is good enough to the point where it offsets my irritation that he's playing the character in the first place. I have Fair. never liked his Barry Allen. I have never liked him in the role. But what he does in this movie, this is the best performance that Ezra Miller has given in any of these films. Oh, yes. No, he's he's very good in this, guys. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm serious. I'm not. It's not just... It's not just these are good actors performing well. Every single actor bring is bringing their A game to this. Yeah. Even even you know Mike you know Michael Shannon may not be you know as excited about it, but he's not slouching as Zod. Right. No. He I mean, he 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 brings the energy. Yeah. Uh, so this is if if nothing else, be aware the special effects are dodgy. No. Uh, but the performances are good. The performances are very good. Yeah. I, that that I can I will say unreservedly. It's it's too bad nothing else is good. But you know, it's, it is. Yeah, it's it too is bad. What it is. All right, that's it for us today. Thanks very much for being here, folks. Don't forget you can connect with us on all the different social media platforms and uh, different video platforms. And since every now and again we have issues with YouTube. Uh, you should connect with us on Odyssey and Rumble, uh, especially. We do have a Discord server. You can sign up over there and uh, continue these conversations as you have time to jump in there and do that. And we'll be back on our regular schedule Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central. I don't know what we're going to talk about next week, but I did have an idea. I sent you a text. You did. And, and then, of course, think, talking about this movie and... An infinite number of speedsters. Maybe we got that that topic might not. Uh... <laughs> we can we can do that. All right. Uh, thanks very much for being here, folks. Don't forget you can you can check out any of the rest of the videos that we've got here. Uh, we do have shows that are on a fairly regular schedule, so uh, you can you can tune in for all of those, and uh, we'll be back to do it again next week. Thanks very much, folks. Right. Have a great weekend. Good. Thanks, Good afternoon, good morning, wherever you are. Bye. 
This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio, copyright 2023, by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi For Me Radio. 